Welcome to the SCA Lectures podcast series, brought to you by Olam Specialty Coffee, connecting roasters to the finest specialty green coffees. The following is a talk presented live at the 2017 Global Specialty Coffee Expo, the largest annual gathering of specialty coffee professionals. Good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? Good. Well, I'm very, very excited to meet or to introduce uh, and meet <laughs> Anna Gutierrez. She is the manager at Barista 22. It's a product line of syrup, sauces, and powders, if you're not familiar with it. She's been in the barista business since 97. Um, so she's got a lot of experience with creating an all-star barista. Um, without further ado, here's Anna Gutierrez. All right, so before we get to the serious stuff, well, this is serious stuff too. I got to take a selfie with all of you, okay? So, and um, you can follow me on social media stuff. It's Anna Gutierrez80. So I'll post it on Instagram later today and probably on Facebook. But we got to have fun while we're doing this, right? Nothing inappropriate, please. Um, but let's see if we can do this. This is like, and I really apologize if you barely don't make it in there. Yay! Okay. <laughs> All right, now we can get on to work, right? Well, welcome everyone to SCA. And um, raise your hand is this, if this is the first time that you've attended an SCA show. Oh my gosh, there are so many of you that are new. This is really, really awesome. So, um, okay, well, we're going to go through this class, and this is on kind of how to develop a training program for your staff. And um, this is a great class because it, it's beneficial to those of you that already have your coffee business running right now, as well as those of you that are getting ready to open up a coffee shop maybe, um, and how to kind of implement a training program with your staff. So feel free to fill in notes as we go through this. We're going to have a little bit of a Q&A time at the end, so if you could save your questions for the end. Um, that would be awesome because we may very well cover what you might have as a question, but jot it down maybe on your little notes there. And then, um, and then also when we, if we run out of time, cause we'll have to move out for the next presenter, I'll be over at my booth all weekend. So my booth is two, three, three, two. So feel free to stop by if there are any questions you have. Um, also, I'm happy to forward my PowerPoint to any of you. So sometimes I know people are like frantically trying to take pictures of screens and stuff, which that's totally cool if you want to do that. But I'll also follow up with you. And if you shot me an email, I'd be happy to send you the PowerPoint as well. So without further ado, we're going to just hop right on in. All right, so the things that we're going to cover here on your training program checklist, the first part is just the importance of a training program. We obviously want to instill it for a certain reason. So what are the benefits going to be? Why are we actually putting in this training program into place? So looking for a proper instructor for your training program, I'm going to kind of take you through some steps and some key things that you should look for when you're trying to have this person that's going to actually like run and manage your training program. And I'm going to kind of explain a little more specifically why just taking someone who's been your longest barista at your business isn't necessarily the best um, person to necessarily run your training program. So I'll be going through the points that you're going to look for in a proper instructor. The next part is just kind of some basic espresso training and information. I'm not going to go through an actual like barista basics outline of exactly what that needs to include and all of the information with it, but just kind of an outline of what you want to make sure that you have for information in your training program that you're teaching. The next part is customer service. So this is kind of a cool thing. Um, after these classes, we actually ask if people can fill out comment cards. And I've been presenting um, 
at SCA for the last, I think, maybe six or seven years. And each time I present a class, I take your notes and I tweak things and I change things because people have suggestions and I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. I didn't really think about that. So the customer service aspect was something that someone had commented about and said, oh my gosh, when we do our training, we also include a really large portion on customer service. And that was like, oh my, I don't even know why I didn't think about that in the first place. So making sure that you have a portion on customer service is really important. And then the next one is skills testing. Once you go through actually putting a training program together, what do you need to do to actually make sure that your baristas are staying on par with what you've taught them and utilizing those skills and staying on track with, um, or actually even that they've even learned the information in the first place. So doing some skills testing as well is really important. And then the last one, which kind of rolls into it, is the enforcement of uh, consistency and quality control. Because once you put this training program into place, then what do you do to really hold your staff and even yourself accountable to the things that you've taught and gone through in this training program so everyone's doing everything the same way? All right, so first one is going through the importance of a training program. What should you aim for while implementing your training program to your staff? Number one thing is consistency, and this is across the board. This is in all of the categories. This is in drink preparation. This is in customer service. Um, you want to have every drink that goes out of your business to be the same, no matter who's on staff, no matter who's making it, what time of day, um, and making sure that that drink is going to be the same for every customer. Now, granted, there's going to be that customer service side that some of your customers are just going to connect with different baristas different ways, and they'll have their favorite barista. Even if the drink is identical, they might think it tastes a little extra special or a little bit better made from this person, even if like it was exactly the same. And that's just something that's going to happen anyway. And that's just part of that relationship you have with your customers. But making sure that the drinks themselves are going out the same to your customers. And then the second part is really the baristas, your staff and yourself, taking pride in your work and your establishment. Um, also the ability to educate your customers too. With the more information we have going on in the coffee industry, coffee is very popular. It's a very trendy thing to know about. And so more and more we're finding that our customers are coming into coffee businesses and they'll see something on the news or they'll hear something on the radio or see something on TV and you know they'll come and they'll talk to the barista and ask them about it and it's great for your staff to hopefully, you know, have, you know, one, be able to kind of one up your customers or educate your customers as well on information. Um, that's why I also think it's great. Just a little side note. If you don't have any like coffee magazines that you subscribe to or something for your cafe, I really encourage things like that. So then your staff can be reading things and being on the cutting edge of what's going on in the coffee industry. But with that consistency and having that training program in place, your staff's going to feel more educated and more empowered. And they're also going to just take more pride in their work because they're going to know the reasons why every single step in the drink preparation process is important. And then the last one, which all of this kind of comes together, is that's going to result in repeat customers. The more consistent your drinks are, I mean, if you think of it, if you go to a restaurant and let's say you go to a restaurant and one time you have a phenomenal experience and then the next time it's like, kind of disappointing. And then maybe you'll give it another try. And then let's say it's disappointing again. 
usually that's not going to result in you wanting to go back to a business and kind of risking it to maybe have a great experience again. So having a a great experience for your customers that's consistent time after time is going to cause your customers to come to your business on a more regular basis. They're not going to want to second guess and maybe consider going to another shop down the street. All right, so for your proper instructor, these are the things that I recommend that you should really look for in the proper instructor to run your training program for you. So I've got five key components that I'd like you to look for. And as you're going through these, maybe if you've got somebody who's maybe running a training program even for you right now, think about them as we go through this. Or if there's somebody you have in mind that you would maybe want to do it, think about these key key things that you want to be looking for and um, you know kind of relate that to what you might be considering or who you may consider instead. So the first thing is, are they qualified? Now, I know at the very beginning I said, okay, you can't just take the barista who's had the most experience. Well, they may actually, they may be the best person to run your training program after we go through all of this. And it is definitely important for them to understand and know what it's like to work behind a bar and to be able to handle a flow and to handle a rush um, and be able to make drinks really efficiently. So for them to be proficient in coffee anyway is super important. So they really should be qualified and have experience in coffee. Next thing is, do they communicate well? Communicating information and training people is something that you may, like for instance, um, latte art. I was helping with a class for latte art and it was kind of, it was probably maybe 10 years ago and it was actually with SCA. It was a hands-on latte art class and I had already been teaching people latte art for quite a while, but I didn't really feel, for whatever reason, I didn't feel like I was quite qualified to teach, be a, a a station instructor on this class. So I just kind of stood to the side and saw this person and I helped out with this person who I had known as being an amazing latte artist, would win throwdowns and competitions and stuff on a regular basis. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll learn some cool tips. Well, the tricky thing about it was that this person was extremely talented, but had a really hard time communicating how to actually pour latte art. They were like, well, you just, you kind of go like this and you just kind of pour faster a little bit. And then I I just go like this and it's like, okay, well, what does this mean? What are you doing with your body? Like explain to us what's happening. Like what's happening with the milk? What's happening with the flow? How is your cup being held? How does that change what's happening with it? And it was really eye opening for me because he asked for my help and he's like, do you do trainings? I'm like, I train all the time. I'm not as good of a latte artist as you, but I'm I I can communicate well. And so, you know, I actually ended up kind of taking over that thing. And because I was able to communicate to these people in a way that they could understand. So making sure that it's somebody who clearly goes through things and explains every step, explains reasonings for why things need to be done a certain way. That's another thing, too, is people, um, kids, I say kids, not all baristas are kids. I apologize for that. Um, I would be a barista right now if I could, you know, if I could do that every day. It's super fun. But making sure that you're communicating to these people so that if they, they have to have a reason. Now you might say they don't need to have a reason. They just need to do what I tell them because I pay their paycheck. Well, yes, that's true, but they need to have a reason for why they're doing something. So they understand why they need to do it a certain way. So, um, communication is a really important skill for this person to have. Along with that, what is their level of patience? 
if you're going to be training people, you need to have a ton of patience. And um, it's going to roll into one of my next topics here. But being able to, to understand that not everybody understands information the same way or at the same speed, same rate. So that you need to be patient so that you're going through and spending time with all of the staff members. And that they are, if there's somebody who's not quite getting something or it's not quite clicking for them, that they don't give up on them. And they're like, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. We'll go ahead and, you know, pour that picture of milk out that we just ruined in the first two seconds. It's all right. No big deal. And then let's do it again. And, um, having that patience is something that you really need because your staff is going to feel pretty, um, it can get really stressful if they start to feel bad because they're not getting it. And then the instructor is getting stressed and impatient with them. So making sure that you've got somebody that has a really good level of patience. And then kind of rolling into this one is, are they detail-oriented? So with that patience and the details, so if, you're, if you have an instructor, for instance, who's teaching someone how to tamp properly, how to compress the coffee nice and level, now, if a, if a staff member that they're training tamps it and it's a little bit crooked, you want that person to say, ooh, that was a little crooked, knock that out, let's redo it, and have them keep doing it over and over again so that it is accurate and perfectly done how your standards are set for your business. So that kind of rolls into the patience because sometimes an instructor might say, fine, whatever, that's good enough, move on to the next thing. You know, you want them to be detail-oriented and not give up on people, but also really pay attention to that, um, all those little steps and how they need to be done a certain way. And then this actually also rolls into being detail-oriented and organized on, um, on keeping track of your training program even and who's going through the training program and new staff hiring and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, and then the last one is, do they have a contagious passion for coffee? Nobody wants to sit there and learn from somebody who doesn't really seem to care or have an interest in what they're talking about. And if somebody is more excited about things, they're going to be way more apt to get people to like pay attention to them and be focused on them. And if you have this person who has this contagious passion for coffee, again, the word contagious there, it's going to spread through your staff. And so if they're even reading up on things and new cutting edge things happening in the industry or something like that, then it's great because then they want to share those things. And then your staff gets excited to hear information that's maybe new to them as well. So these are just kind of the five main things I think you should really look for in this person putting your training program together and running it. All right, so as far as um, the two basic components you want to have in your espresso training program for the process, the first step is having a written portion. So like right now, this would be a perfect example of what that written portion could look like. You have a packet in front of you, and the way that I've found that people retain information well is to kind of like take notes. There are some spots in there that are already filled in for you in little sentences and stuff, but then there are areas for you to fill in so it's more interactive. So you're kind of like forced to engage into what's going on and pay attention and stuff, kind of trick you a little bit. But um, so the first part you want to have is some kind of written portion that your staff can be following in and then something that they can take home with them and be able to read up on as well. Or if there's any question about things, about how something's done, they can go right into your written packet that you have to have that information of, you know, what your shot times are recommended or how many grams you like to use for your doses or things like that. 
And then the next portion that you would have is a hands-on portion. And we can't really do that with this class because I'm not teaching you something that necessarily has a hands-on part to it. But a hands-on portion is actually, so you go through a written, a written workbook and it kind of covers the background on coffee and things like that. And then you're going to go into getting up on your espresso bar and actually having them perform those tasks. So have them make drinks, have them steam milk, have them measure syrups, things like that. So in your written portion, these are kind of the key things that you want to include in that written portion of information for your staff. So the first one is just basic coffee fundamentals, um, going over coffee theory, maybe where coffee came from, um, a little bit about processing methods, where it's grown in the world, things like that. Um, and then the last part on there is also making sure it includes your menu. Um, when I first started as a barista, so my very first coffee job was in 1997, and it was around this area, just south of here, and coffee still was sort of a new thing. And even though I was a high school student and stuff, I didn't quite regularly go to coffee shops super, super often because I didn't quite have the funds for it. So I wasn't very familiar with the menus. And so when I actually got my first coffee job, I didn't know what everything meant. So we had two things that I used to get mixed up with. One was a certain drink, so I would get Breve and Granita mixed up. Now, if you don't know what those are, they are very opposite things. <laughs> so a Breve basically means a hot drink, or an ice drink even, but you're using half and half instead of regular milk. And then a Granita is literally a, a coffee icy that's like a slushy, cold drink made in a machine. Very, very different things when people order them. And I would get those mixed up. And then I would also get the sizes of drinks mixed up. Somebody would order a tall, and I would say, heck yeah. I will give you the tallest cup we have, which was like a 24 ounce, except for they wanted a tall, which on our, you know, in general terms is a 12 ounce drink, which is usually the smallest or second smallest drink. So nobody had really communicated to me, you know, that I needed to actually like study up the menu and sort of figure things out. So make sure that you go over what the menu is and you have a list of those things. Um, and don't assume that people know everything. Um, so it kind of helps in the communication and learning process is if they don't feel dumb or like they don't know something, assume that they don't know things and over communicate information. Um, and then the next step you want to have is specifics in proper drink preparation. And this includes espresso extraction, milk steaming, things like that, as well as measuring syrups, how much you put into, into different drinks and stuff. So um, for proper drink preparation, when you're going through espresso, that's, a, that's including things like what your shot time is going to be, how many ounces or milliliters is going to fill up in your shot glass, um, what your grind um, weight is going to be, how many grams, things like that, how to take camp. Um, and then with milk preparation, a huge thing with milk preparation is temperature. Make sure that everybody's steaming to the right temperature. Milk texture is super important too. Um, and making sure that they've got the right texture to the surface of their foam and all that stuff. But temperature is huge. I mean, imagine if you go to a coffee shop and I come across this all the time is, um, so in general, you're going to steam your milk. If you're looking at your thermometer, a lot of people will steam up to 140 and then it'll creep up once they turn off their steam wand, it'll creep up another like 10 or 20 degrees, depending on the pressure of your steam wand and all that stuff and how long it takes for your thermometer to catch up. So some people will say, oh, I stop it at 140, and then when I actually pour it into a cup, it comes out and it's served at around 150, maybe, 155. Well, then another person might say, oh, well, 
I thought we were supposed to serve them at 140, so I stopped steaming at like 120, so then by the time it goes into the cup, it's 140 degrees. And a 15 degree temperature difference in milk is huge, especially if you have a customer who is like getting a drink and they're on their way to work and they know, like I know when I get drip coffee in a, you know, through a drive-thru or something, I've got like maybe 10 minutes I need to wait until I take my first sip because I don't want to burn myself. And so, and I might take my lid off if I get a little anxious or something and a little, you know, adventurous in my car. But otherwise, I'm going to wait a little bit because I know that that's coming out at a really hot temperature if I didn't add ice or something. Now, if I had waited 10 minutes and let's say they served me something that was colder than normal and I waited 10 minutes and then it got really cold and I took a sip, I'd be really disappointed. Um, so making sure that even just your milk temperature is, you know, a consistent thing across the board with your staff. And then the next one is bar management and being in control of your area and your product. So making sure that your bar flow really makes sense um, and kind of explaining, I, you know, you might even realize that your grinder should really be on this side of your machine in order for your bar to flow better. Um, things like that and thinking about how they can keep on top of making the drinks, how the drinks are called out. If there's somebody who is at the cash register and they're maybe marking a cup or they call out a drink or maybe it's repeated back by who's on bar, things like that. But making sure that they have a really nice controlled back bar area that seems to be, um, they're in control of really, um, and know what's going on. And it's not chaotic back there and drinks getting missed and things like that. So kind of going through whatever your system is and it's different for every shop. So, you know, some people might say, well, what is the best bar flow to have? And I'll say, well, it really just depends if you're a double drive through, if you're just a cafe with only walk-in customers, if you're a cafe with a drive through, how many machines do you have? How many staffing, you know, how much staff are we talking about? Those are all going to play into what your bar management will be like. But work with your staff or your trainer on what's kind of the best thing that makes sense for your, for your business and maybe ways you can even improve on that bar management. All right. And then the next one is the hands-on portion. So this is like, okay, we've sat down, we've gone through this workbook, and then now we're going to get up and go to the machine. And what are we going to cover while we do this? So of course, the first one is proper demonstration on the grind, the dose, your tamp, shot pouring, and extraction time. And I always think it's really important for the instructor to get up there first and even kind of like, um, you know, explain what's going on with the equipment there and what you just covered in that workbook, how to actually get up there and do it properly and perfectly. The next one is grind adjustment. And um, grind adjustment, this is one that when I was younger and kind of started in coffee, I was started off and they say the manager or the owner is the only one who touches the grinder. And I hope I don't offend anybody. If you do that with your business, I hope that I can instill faith in you that there is a way to be able to learn how to adjust your grind and teach your staff how to adjust their grinders. Um, it's not as scary as it may seem. And as long as they have the proper training and understanding of what's happening. So when I actually go through, when I would do hands-on training, I would have each staff member go through. I would say, okay, turn around and I would mess up the grind. I would adjust it either extra coarse or extra fine. And then I would say, okay, come on over over. We're going to hang out over here for a couple minutes. You just play with this grinder and just get a feel for it. And we've already covered 
which way you need to turn it to get which result for adjusting your grind. Even if you need to put a little sticky note on your grinder that says, this way speeds up the pour, this way slows down, or something like that. Little cheat sheets, that's fine too. But your grinder is really not that scary and complicated of a thing. I mean, you're just literally moving this one little adjustment collar or turning one knob. And if they really understand properly how to do it, and if you get to train them on it, you shouldn't be scared about them adjusting the grind. And if anything, you want them to adjust the grind because you want them to be making sure that as the environment changes and things like that and how that affects how your coffee shots come out, um, that they're comfortable and able to be able to serve the best drinks as possible to your customers, which all of this even goes back to that consistency and having repeat customers. So if you've got a drink that's being served in the morning and the grinder is you know set where it is and let's say the shots are coming out in 24 seconds and maybe later Later on in the day, it got really hot and humid and another person comes in and they're not allowed to touch the grinder, but the shots are coming out in like 32 seconds. That's going to have a huge impact on what that drink is going to taste like. So what's more important to you? Maybe educating, you know, taking the time to educating your staff on it, um, I think is just huge on your grind adjustment. Um, and then the other thing is knowing the profile of your coffee and your espresso. So your drip coffee as well as your shots of espresso. This was something kind of cool to me that about two years ago I worked in an event. It was a TED coffee event actually or a TED event that was like we ran the coffee bars at um, this event and um, it was all these different baristas, a bunch of them that are actually even here from all over the United States and we came and we all worked bar together and we had like three or four different cafes kind of set up on the campus and it was super cool and it's neat because you get to, I love, I've been doing this for 20 years now and I love because I come to things or I go to events and I learn new things all the time and I'm just so open to like gaining information and knowledge from other people. I'm like a sponge. I want to soak it up. So anyway, I'm working this event and I had kind of been used to just saying, okay, as long as I go through the movements and I dial in my coffee, my tamp is perfect. And, um, you know, my shots are coming out in the right time. Maybe I adjust my grind, but as long as they're coming out in the right time and I'm using the right amount, that should be good. I'm good. Well, the biggest thing I learned was one of my friends, you may even see him around here, Lorenzo Perkins. He said, Annie, you got to taste your coffee constantly be tasting your coffee. And I'm like, okay. So I would, you know, pull shots and I would think I was in the right parameters. And then he'd be like, okay, but what does it taste like? I'm like, I would explain notes. And he goes, well, could it be better? I'm like, yeah, I think it can. He's like, okay, play with it mess around with stuff. Try, try a couple things, change your dose a little bit. Cause even just, gosh, I don't want to get too crazy into it. And some of you might already know, but even different days past the roast date on coffee, day four is going to taste different than day five within the same parameters. Now I don't want to like overwhelm you and like get all super crazy because it's not necessarily the best thing for if your palate's not dialed in or things like that but just in general encouraging your staff to taste the coffee and know what it's supposed to taste like so that for instance if somebody comes in and says hey I just got this drink and it's it's kind of funky tasting um and then they can like pull some shots and taste it and maybe be able to say oh yeah that is interesting I do notice kind of a metallic taste or something like that. And then you can kind of find out maybe what could be going on with your coffee or dialing in something differently. Um, but really making sure that your staff knows what the coffee is supposed to taste like um, and what that profile is. And also being able to communicate that to customers. If a customer comes in and asks about the coffee, what is it supposed to taste like so that they can 
relay that information for them from their own personal experience even. And then the last part is obviously covering um, proper milk steaming. Here's a fun little trick, actually, because proper milk steaming, yes, can be very expensive, especially when if you've ever had somebody brand new, you go through and you're, if you're doing a training and you teach them how to steam a pitcher of milk and it's perfect and it's beautiful and the top looks like wet paint and you're like, oh, look at this foam. It's amazing. And they're like, cool. Okay, my turn. And they get up there, turn it on, and it goes like all over the place, literally in the first like Point three seconds of the training. You're like, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to dump that out and start over again. Um, a fun little trick is take your pitcher of milk, fill it up to where you would with water, and then put one drop of like liquid dish soap in it. And it will actually foam the same kind of way that milk will. And so you'll actually have like this little layer of like perfect foam on the top from the dish soap. So that's a great way. Make sure the, the water is cold and it's going to steam up. It's going to heat up faster than milk will because it's not as thick. But it's a really great way to at least get people comfortable with kind of knowing what's happening when they're foaming and um, getting, you know, their hands on the machine and stuff without wasting potentially, you know, three pitchers of milk right off the bat. But yeah, so that's kind of a fun little trick for being able to teach some proper milk steaming without having to worry about too much waste in the very, very beginning process. All right. So customer service. Moving on to that portion. Next page. So what is good customer service? Good customer service is basically providing products and services that exceed customers' expectations, resulting in complete customer satisfaction and repeat business. That's what we're looking for, for our customer service. So starting off, your greeting. And it, these are all great to like outline what these expectations are with your staff. Um, so making sure that you've got some kind of standard for your greeting. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be like a robotic thing of you say the exact same thing every time, but at least some kind of time frame or maybe like anytime someone walks in the door that you either, you know, engage with them, make eye contact with them, or something within the first couple seconds of them coming into your business. Um, I had an awesome, and I love like experiencing these things for myself. I am such a sucker for good customer service. I, it just makes me giddy when I leave a place and have amazing experience. So this is a smaller kind of example, but I was in, um, I was in Chicago for a trade show and I'd gone into a coffee shop I'd never been into before. And the place, literally I like opened the door and the place was packed, long line. And my gut reaction was, I'm gonna leave and somebody right behind the bar made eye contact with me and said hey we'll be right with you and I was like okay I guess I'll wait we're like friends now so obviously I'm not going anywhere she wants to like hang out with me for sure but just even that tiny little engagement was like I can't leave now. I mean, I'm hooked here. And sure enough, I mean, it was quick through the line. And then, you know, I got great service and it worked out awesome. And just that little teeny tiny thing going into a place. And the second I opened that door at first on the outside of that door, I was a stranger. And as soon as I opened it and we made eye contact and I was engaged with, I was no longer a stranger to that place. And so thinking about how that can make an effect on your customers coming into your business and just having a simple greeting or just that somebody waves or says hi or, you know, maybe they each have their own little fun phrase that they say to people or something. I don't know. You can make it fun. But um, having a greeting for when people come into your business is really important. 
Um, the next part is having proper service at the cash register. Um, this includes cash handling and how you would repeat orders. So that goes into kind of that whole system of your bar management and your bar flow and how those orders are called out. But even making sure that at the cash register that there's a certain way that things are supposed to be handled. Or if people pay with cash, which doesn't happen too much nowadays, but people lose even just the lost art of counting back change to people. Um, so even something like that, educating them on how to properly count back change or um, how they're going to be ringing things in. If you go in one time to a place and they charge you $3.76 and then the next day you go and they charge you four twenty-three, you know, you're like, um, how come they charged me this much before? And that's inconsistent. So making sure, and of course the customer, let's say the real charge was supposed to be four twenty-three, and the day before they got a deal because somebody forgot to add an extra shot or something. The customer doesn't look at it that way. They look at it as, did you raise prices? Did you just increase my drink by 50 cents overnight? Like what the heck happened? And no matter what you do, if you apologize, you know, it's just one of those things that makes customers kind of lose a little bit of trust in the consistency and the experience at your business. Um, and also lose a little trust in knowing if they're really being charged properly how they're supposed to be. Um, so making sure that at the cash register that you've got that proper service down. Um, another thing too is covering what your staff should do in the event of um, unhappy customers. I'm trying to think if I have that in here. Yes. Rolling into my next thing. Um, what do they do if a customer is unsatisfied with something? My recommendation, now again, I'm going through these things that I want you to decide for your business what's best for you. But um, I'm kind of throwing suggestions in here along the way too. But like with the, in the event of an unsatisfied customer, I think, it's, um, I think it's really important for your staff to feel like they are empowered to do things to make the customer happy. But also that you can understand that if they're really uncomfortable, that maybe who's the lead, um, bere- the lead person on bar or a manager or something or a supervisor, if, if they need to, their immediate thing could be, I'm so sorry. Let me go grab my manager for you right now and then let that person handle the situation. Um, Another thing, though, that I do suggest is like if somebody comes in and says, this drink is awful, I'm not happy. I recommend instead of just saying, you know, giving them their money back, um, I recommend, you know, remaking the drink for them or having the person on bar communicate with them and see what was not correct about it, what they didn't like. And then giving something like a free drink card that says, you know what, I'm so sorry that this, you know, experience wasn't the best, but here's your next drink is on us. Come back, give us another chance to win your business so that it gets them to come back to your business and give you another shot. Um, so, you know, cause that's the thing is if people are unsatisfied, they might finally leave with something that was satisfying in their cup, but they still got, pardon the pun, left with a bad taste in their mouth, you know? And so you want them to have a chance and say, you know, they'll go, okay, all right, well, this tastes good. Oh, cool. Oh, I got a free drink too. All right, I'll give you guys another shot. So, um, but making sure that your staff knows what kind of your standard is um, and something like we don't give money back to customers for beverages, but we'll give them a free drink card or you'll give them, you know, a credit on their prepaid gift card or something like that. So making sure you've got a standard for that. Um, The next thing customer service wise is the cleanliness of the business establishment. Cleanliness is huge. And this includes tables, restrooms, floors, condiment bar, even includes the exterior of your business. Um, Making sure that, because sometimes, you know, people 
leave cups out, you know, they'll drop things or they'll litter and throw stuff outside of their car, even in your own parking lot. So making sure that there's some kind of standard for, you know, once a day or something that somebody walks the perimeter of your business even and picks up trash and throws things away. Make sure that it looks nice and clean. Um, and it could even be something out of the norm. Maybe your dumpsters, maybe something happened and a bunch of garbage flew out of your dumpster and it's all across your parking lot. Um, you know, stuff like that. So making sure that that's on your radar. But also making sure that you're going through and if you have a cafe, for instance, that your condiment bar area, and trust me, I understand the pain of the condiment bar. It's like you go over, you wipe the whole thing down, you wipe all the milk stains, you wipe all the sugar things, you throw the packets away that people left on the counter because the garbage is five inches away from it and that's too far. Um, But you go through, you wipe it down, you go back, and literally like two minutes later, the same stuff's all over the place. So, but making sure that that condiment bar is nice and well kept and clean. Um, Things are restocked. So the sugar packets and creamers, the tables are wiped down. Um, Especially if you have a cafe that has, um, you know, actual ceramic mugs and things like that, that people don't know necessarily if they need to bust them or go put them at a certain spot themselves, that you go around and you make sure that those are taken off of tables and cleaned up and things like that. So, um, one of the places I worked for, we would, it was like on a rotation and it was literally like every 15 minutes, somebody would go out and go walk the cafe area and clean up everything and come back. So, um, whatever that standard might be for you, but just making sure, including your bathrooms too, really making sure that in that walkthrough of your cafe area, um, that your bathrooms are also checked, making sure that things, you know, everything is stocked, the toilet paper and the paper towels are stocked, make sure that some kid didn't go in there and dispense soap all over the place and there's like soap stuff everywhere you know that stuff happens but making sure that you've got a nice clean establishment for your for your paying customers and then the last part we started off with the greeting and then to kind of wrap up the whole customer experience is having some kind of way of thanking the customer this also actually even rolls into um, with tips um, again I, I love having an amazing customer service experience and I also love feeling thanked for my business. And so like, for instance, if I give a tip to somebody, I like to hear somebody say, thank you. I don't know. Maybe it's like self, whatever, self-absorbed sounding. But if I put a tip into a, a tip jar, I love it when a barista acknowledges it and says, oh, thank you so much. And I had somebody who was training me who said, act like the tip that you got was the first tip you've ever received. Now, don't be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Oh, I'm so excited. I don't know what I'm going to do with this dollar. You know, don't go like spaz out, but at least acknowledge it and be like, oh, thank you so much, you know, and that makes a customer more apt to tipping in the future as well. They feel like, oh, they actually appreciated that Um, because not going to lie, I've had times that I'll go to places and I'll put a tip in and I see them see me put the money in the tip jar and they don't say a word and they just look away or don't smile or anything. And it makes me kind of feel like, all right, well, maybe next time I'm not going to leave a tip. I don't know. that. Like, a tip is for above and beyond, in my mind. It's for 
ad- added an added extra experience that you had. You're you're extra happy with it. I'm going to tip you. Um, so, but then having a way that you're thanking the customer. So then when they're leaving your business, um, whether it's a drive-through window and they're heading out or something like that, but try to acknowledge people as you can and say like, "Have an awesome day," or "See if you know they're a regular, especially see you tomorrow." Um, that was even something that subconsciously uh, I had a coffee chain that we worked with, and they would say that to everyone. They'd say, "See you tomorrow," even if it was somebody they'd never met before and it was their first time coming into their shop. They were like, see you tomorrow. Um, And that made the customer be like, oh, they're hoping they see me tomorrow. Okay, maybe you will. Um, So, you know, just little things like that. But making sure that you're acknowledging and thanking customers when they leave your business. All right. So another thing with customer service um, that kind of rolls in together with just overall management and things like that. um, This is more internal customer service. But I really recommend that you make sure that you encourage your staff, build them up, and don't break them down. So if there are things that they're doing that are not within the guidelines of what have been taught, make sure that how they're communicated with is in a way that is encouraging and makes them want to do better. Um, There's nothing worse than being in a work environment where you just... You do something wrong and, you know, you get totally laid on by your manager or supervisor, whoever it is. It makes you scared as a staff member and, um, and it doesn't really help encourage you to do better next time. It makes you just kind of like really freaked out about the next time you're going to mess up. So really be encouraging of your staff. Another thing is lead by example. So if you are the owner or manager or supervisor, um, or even if you're the person who put this training program together and you're on bar, make sure that you're leading by example and doing things properly. Don't cut corners, especially in front of your staff. But, um, you know, another thing too is I've had experiences where people, the owners of the coffee shop, let's say everybody everybody has a discount. So if staff come in off-duty, they can come in and maybe they get like, 25% off drinks or something like that. The owner who owns the place pays all the bills. They come in as well and they ask to be charged. They're like, no, you charge me, charge me. I get the, I get the employee discount though. Don't forget my 25% off, but making sure that you're leading by example and just, um, you know, doing things the way that you want your staff to do, because it's going to make them follow you that much more. And then another thing I really recommend is to perform regular secret shopping. Um, There are a few ways that you can do secret shopping that is not a negative thing. Um, And I've got, we'll go a little bit more into it. And on the very last page is actually kind of like a secret shopping um, checklist that you can use. And um, secret shoppers, I think that secret shopping is just really great because it holds your staff accountable for things when they know that eyes aren't on them necessarily. And do it in a way that says, hey, we're going to be doing some secret shopping and we're going to turn it into a fun competition. And whoever maybe, if you have multiple locations maybe, say we're going to do you know five secret shopping over the next six months. Whoever has um, oh, series like Secret shopping, let me tell you. (laughs) I triggered something for her. She does that to me sometimes too. Um, So when you're doing secret shopping, making sure that you make it fun. So if you have multiple locations, maybe you have five secret shoppings that are done over the course of six months. And you tell your stores, whoever gets the highest average score, you guys all win something cool. And no, don't make it a gift card to your coffee shop, okay? Like make it something cool. Like, not that that's not cool, okay? But make it something fun. I mean, honestly, who doesn't like cash, right? 
everybody gets 50 bucks or something like that if you get the highest thing. Or movie tickets. Or maybe you do some kind of cool like group dinner or something like that. Um, so kind of think of some fun ways to motivate your staff. And again, I know that people will say, look, motivation should be their paycheck. That's motivation enough. Well, I can promise you that an extra investment of a couple hundred bucks or something to get your staff to kind of kick up their game is going to pay back tenfold with your business and having, you know, better consistency, repeat customers and all that. So having fun things like that, it just makes it more exciting and more um yeah, it's going to get more buy-in from your staff. Um, you could also just say on average, maybe you only have one location, and you say, hey, as long as you score on average over, you know, above a 95% or something, or maybe you have multiple stores and you do something like that, and you say, look, you all actually have a chance to win at this. If you all average above 95%, or if you get 100%, or something like that, you, you know, win some kind of cool prize or something. Um, so make it a fun way, and then let your staff know um, that it's happening beforehand so they don't feel betrayed. I think that's really good to communicate things and to say, hey, we went through this cool class and we've got some new ideas. We're actually going to do kind of some secret shopping. It's going to be super fun and um, it's not going to be, they might kind of treat it like when the health department comes, you know, and then, okay, who, I mean, I guess you don't have to raise your hands, but we used to always be the worst about our bleach bucket for our rags we would just like use our rags with water and then not have our bleach bucket and as soon as we would see the person we're like oh my gosh health department's here get the bleach bucket get the bleach bucket hurry someone quick like stat so um but you know they're gonna probably even have moments where they're gonna see somebody and like think that they're the secret shopper and they're not it's gonna be it'd be really fun but um but and when you have these secret shoppers think of different ways that you can utilize people don't have like if you're the owner don't have your brother or sister or somebody who doesn't come in very regularly and they're like hmm that's joe's brother he doesn't really come here he lives like a half hour away and we're doing this secret shopper thing um i think it might be him um you know try and if you can um communicate with some of, I think a great way to do it is actually have some of your current customers do your secret shopping for you. If it's somebody that comes into the, to the shop regularly, figure out maybe some way that you can get their phone number or something and say, Hey, we're doing this. We're trying to make things better for our customers. Would you be interested in doing a secret shopping thing for me? Just get your regular drink. You know, I'll put $10 on your gift card or something like that. Um, so then their drinks are comped for just their time and things like that. And then, um, and then make sure that they know they're supposed to kind of be inconspicuous while they're filling out these sheets. Um, But yeah, so just kind of get creative and just sort of an idea that secret shopping is a great way to kind of wrap up all of the consistency with this at the end. All right, so skills testing. This is this last little part here we're going to go through kind of quickly because it just kind of goes over. I'm going to check our time. Okay, we're awesome on time anyway. Um, But the skills testing portion. So we've gone through teaching everything to your staff. We've gone through this written workbook. We've done this hands-on stuff. Now, how do we actually check and make sure that they're doing things properly? So the first thing is going ha- to be a written portion. And um, this is basically just kind of a simple quiz type of a thing. 
where they're actually going to go through some things will be maybe like multiple, you know, multiple choice, fill in the blank, yes, no, things like that. Um, and take it literally from information that is in the written workbook that you've put together for them. Um, don't try and throw like double negatives and make it really confusing or switch sentences around and, um, and throw them off. I mean, make it so that, hey, if they got the gist of what you were talking about, they should be able to answer it simply. Um, so making sure that you've got that written portion so you know that they've actually retained the information that you've covered in your workbook. And then the second one is a hands-on test. So once you've gone through this written thing, you're like, okay, they've got this information, but then going on and actually doing some hands-on testing with them. Get up to the bar, see what they're doing, see how they're tamping. Um, if you want to know a really great example of skills testing, go and check out the barista competition going on, and you'll see these people, and I mean, it wouldn't be to the same extreme, but they have um, technical judges, and the technical judges, if you watch the competition, they're the ones that have stopwatches around their necks and they've got clipboards and they're kind of running around actually in the work area that the barista is competing in. And so they're getting down super low and they're checking and they're looking at the levelness of the tamp. They're looking at their milk pitcher. They're checking all these things out. So excuse me, um, making sure that what they're doing is they're making sure that all the skills are being, everything's being done properly, that they're purging their steam wands like they're supposed to, that they're wiping off the steam wands like they're supposed to, that they have a clean counter space, that they don't have too much waste of coffee when they're making, you know, going ahead and dosing. So all of that stuff is really important. So making sure that that hands-on side, um, including like checking their temperature of their milk that they're steaming, things like that. So make sure that this hands-on side is actually somebody, this person who's running your training program is going to be really detail oriented and patient and be very particular about what they're looking for. And then the last part is a coffee tasting. And again, I think, you know, it can be really tough because you might say, well, what if somebody doesn't like coffee? Well, they need to know what their coffee tastes like. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say. They should, you know, you can maybe make them more of your tea expert in your shop, maybe, as kind of a go-to person for that. But they should have a, at least an understanding of knowing what good versus bad coffee tastes like. Um, I think it's really great when you're going through how to pull your shots properly to have your staff taste what a shot tastes like when it's not extracted correctly. And then, and you know, kind of have them taste it and they might be like, ooh, whoa, that's disgusting or whatever. I don't drink straight shots of espresso or whatever it might be. But then go ahead and dial in the coffee and then have them taste a properly extracted shot. And at least you'll usually get somebody to say, oh, okay, yeah, I actually could see, even though I don't like it, I can actually see how this one did taste better than that one. Or maybe it was a little bit sweeter or smoother or something like that. So making sure that they at least kind of understand a gist of coffee tasting. And then same with your drip coffee. Um, drip coffee, it's, you know, usually it's kind of a, pl a plug and play kind of thing where you get your dose out and you grind it up and you throw it up in there. But things can even happen with your equipment or your coffee or something that can make your drip coffee be off sometimes. So making sure that they know what that's supposed to taste like too is really important. Um, all right, so the written portion, like I was kind of mentioning, it should be comprised of questions directly from the written workbook or packet that you have. So don't take something that you should assume that they maybe have heard on the news or seen on TV or something like that. It needs to definitely be information that you've already communicated to them. 
and then they require a certain percentage to pass. So when they go through that written portion, you know, set whatever the standard is to you that you feel is okay. If you think, you know, 80% or 90% is what you want them to have to pass and then really stick to it. Um, And this can be tricky because uh, this is, especially if you have a business that's already operating, if you've got staff members that are going through this and what do you do if a current staff member doesn't pass? Um, And here's the thing they should be passing. I mean, it's going to be an interesting thing, and it doesn't happen super, super often, but I can promise you, and again, no offense if there are people in here that have been working in a coffee shop for years, um, but, and I've actually been on the other side of it too, is the more experience somebody has, the harder it is to train them and get them to break their ways. And a lot of it is even just not, they're not doing it on purpose. It's just muscle memory. It's just what our bodies do. We go into, you know, the tires go into the ruts. You try to get off the road and out of the ruts and they go right back in there. Um, even when I first, um, got a job working, gosh, this is going back now, like 15, 16 years ago when I first got a job working at a coffee roaster and um, my job was to get new accounts, but also to do trainings. And I had been a barista for like four and a half or five years. And I thought, I'm like, my customers love me. I make the best drinks. I'm so awesome. Blah, blah, blah. And I get up and I was doing my hands-on training and I went up to go steam milk. And I totally steamed milk like incredibly differently than I do now. And I did like big, huge bubbles in the beginning. And then I just like set my pitcher up there and let it go. And then I probably like frothed it a little bit more. I'm like, I'm going to get you extra foam. I'm going to hook you up. and did all this. And they were like, okay, um, if you could do that again, I'm like, why? Because you want to like see how awesome it is. Okay, I'll totally do it again. Well, they called me and they're like, you know, Anna, we need you to come back in tomorrow just a little bit earlier because we really need to work on your milk steaming technique. And I was like, at first I was extremely, I took it really personally. I mean, who isn't going to, if you've been in a, you know, worked in a coffee bar and been successful for five years or so, and you think you're doing a great job. Um, but I didn't know what I didn't know. That is like the motto of my life. You don't know what you don't know. Other people, they don't know what they don't know. And then once I actually was walked through the process more and I tasted drinks with milk steamed, how I was doing it. And then I tasted drinks, how it really should have been done properly with like this nice, creamy texture to the surface of my drink and instead of getting to the bottom of my cup and having like this much airy foam I get to the bottom of the cup and it's pretty much all gone because it's just like this nice creamy texture that I've been drinking through the whole cup so understanding that your staff that's been with you for a long time, this is going to be a little bit tough. But to explain to them and say, look, all this is going to do is it's going to benefit all of us that much more. We're going to get busier. You're going to make better tips. Customers are going to be happier. And, you know, we really need to push it and, and learn from it. And honestly, I've had sometimes where, um, you know, in very, very extreme situations where a barista has just said, enough of this crap. I'm out of here, you know? And to be honest, that's not really an attitude that you would want in your business anyways. You're doing this to be a huge benefit and it's your business. You're the boss or the manager or you're the supervisor or whatever it might be. So make sure that you're really requiring these things of your staff and, and pushing them to learn more. 
Um, so making sure they've got a certain percentage to pass and then have something, you know, as a quick turnaround, be like, oh man, okay, you got 75. Don't be like good enough, you know, or something like that. Stick to your guns on what the percentage is to pass and just say like, Hey, no, that's okay. You know, this is, we went over new information. These are new things. It's new for everyone. Study up on your stuff and, um, and then take it again in two days or something like that. Um, so just, and you'll, I mean, this isn't rocket science. Now, granted, some people will tell you it is because some aspects of it kind of are. But training and knowing how to do things properly behind your bar is not incredibly difficult to just follow the rules um, and to learn information that is going to be beneficial anyway. So make sure you're requiring a certain percentage of the pa- to pass and stick with it. Um, and then your hands-on test. This is where we get a little bit repetitive with things. But um, so it's going to be comprised of the skills that you've learned directly from the hands-on training side. Don't, um, you know, if I've had some some customers that have said, we want people to pour latte art from the day we open our doors. And I'll be like, uh, okay, that kind of takes a while. But um, if that's really what you want, but really if you're going to do a hands-on skills testing, if you didn't include latte art, for instance, don't say, okay, now you need to pour me a Rosetta in this cup because that's not fair. You know, it's not something that they've been taught. Um, But make sure that they know how to pour a drink with the right texture to their foam. Um, But just make sure that it's comprised of all the things that you've covered in the hands-on part. And then the thing, next part is to develop a type of point system or a rating scale to determine requirements to pass. And this is something where um, if you actually did, you can actually download score sheets from like the barista competitions and kind of see what things that they look for. And um, the technical score sheet is even kind of a nice foundation or an idea. Um, and it's available for SCA, you know, through the SCA and the barista guild and stuff. So, um, but using that maybe even as like a guide line for what you can use for your um, your hands-on testing and what you're looking for. All right, so the coffee tasting portion, um, you want to include triangulation testing. And what that is, is that is where you have three cups and two of them are the same and one of them is different. And this is where, and don't have them be like really, really similar coffees. Have it to where it's like they can kind of have an aha moment and go through and taste three different cups and be like, oh, yeah, totally. This one's different. This one is, you know, this one has more um, earthy, like kind of dark, dirty notes or something to it. Or they might not even be able to explain that yet, but they might just be able to say this one is different. It's like darker or something. Help them work on their on their verbal skills and their their words to kind of explain coffees. Um, and same with shots of espresso. It'd be great to do that where you've got maybe two shots that are extracted properly and then one shot that's not extracted properly um, or vice versa. But so that they can know, get their palate used to knowing and identifying what that third cup is that is off and a little bit different. And then the next thing is just continued cupping. I think it's really great to encourage your staff to, you know, constantly be tasting the coffee, be tasting the shots of espresso, be tasting, um, you know, the drip coffee. If they have an actual opportunity to, you know, if your roaster is either in your town or if you have access to be able to go and visit them or something, a lot of them will have cuppings, certain coffee shops even in your town. Maybe maybe you're like, okay, we're going to do all this stuff, but we're still kind of learning. Um, but there is this really legit shop in town that does some cool stuff, and they're doing a cupping. Cool. Go to it. 
go to a cupping there. Let them teach you some stuff. Um, but making sure that you're just keeping your palate, your, your tongue, it is literally a muscle and you need to train it. Even tasting coffees like a muscle. Um, and so you have to practice. You've got to work it. You've got to work it. And it's going to get stronger and stronger the more consistent you are with it. All right, so enforcement of consistency and quality control. This is where we get kind of down to like some of the shorter spots here. So the three basic components in the enforcement of consistency and quality control are, first one is a written portion. And this is where we're going to actually get into like, okay, now we've gone through all of this, we've trained and educated everyone, and now we're testing them. The second part is going to be a hands-on portion. And then the last one is coffee tasting. So now what we've done is we've, got, we've gone through implementing this training program. We've trained everyone. We've done all of the skills testing. Everybody passed. Everybody's good to go. They're working behind the bar. Okay, now what? So this is what's happening in this stage. This is enforcing that and staying on top of it. So the written portion, again, this is going to be um, based off of things. Um, it's going to include consistency, quality control, and for your new baristas, I recommend right after they're hired that you do a monthly follow-up for the first quarter. So you want to do like three check-ins with them. <clears throat> and that's where they're actually going to like retake that test. And you're going to redo their hands-on testing as well. So you're making sure that what you taught them, while it was fresh in their mind, yes, they did it, they passed, they got it on paper, they got it physically at your bar, they did it correctly. But now, what do we do? Did they actually, did it stick? Did it soak in? Are they still doing things correctly behind the bar right now? So staying on top of them and making sure that they've remembered the information. And it's not to their, their own fault even. There are just things that are going to slip through the cracks or that they might forget. So this is just helping enforce that. And then I think for your experienced baristas that you should do that on a biannual testing because you really do need to hold your experienced staff to these same values and to these same skills testings. Um, and again, it's going to be because not that they're even doing it intentionally, but they're going to be the ones that are going to actually have the hardest time sticking with what these new skills and things are that they've learned. So making sure that you're testing your, your other staff members as well. And then this goes into your person running your training program. They're going to be in charge of having this Excel sheet that's going to have, okay, this person was hired on this date, this person was hired this date, um, okay, I need to do their written portion. Did they do that? Did they pass? Yes, no. Do we need to retest? So this person being detail-oriented is also going to go into them keeping track of your staff and doing all of this testing like they should. It's kind of like a review process, really. Um, and then with the hands-on portion, um, exact same kind of thing. These should go hand-in-hand hand with each other. So making sure that with your new baristas, you're doing a monthly follow-up for the first quarter. And then for your experienced baristas that you have um, on a biannual testing and be doing that year after year. All right, so the secret shopper portion. Now, don't just have somebody and say, hey, will you do a secret shopper for me? Will you just go order a drink? And like, tell me if it's good or not, <laughs> you know, actually you'll now the checklist that I have on the very back page there, it's kind of to the extreme of secret shopping, but it's just to get your wheels turning at least of an idea of kind of what one could look like. You might take half those things out and be like, eh, this is kind of repetitive or whatever. Um, and you might want to change the scoring or things like that, but it just gives you an idea of what that secret shopper form should look like. Um, <clears throat> another thing too is, you know, 
going into the drink itself, having a way maybe that that person can even check the temperature of their drink, um, that they can kind of discuss and talk about like the sweetness level of it, how did the coffee taste, um, things like that. So making sure that that form though is really filled out completely by the person who's going to do this secret shopping for you. And then, as I mentioned before, making sure that you've got some fun incentives for your baristas. I mean, any way that you can encourage them to just do more and kind of put a little extra effort into things for your business, again, it's going to pay back to you tenfold. So make it fun. Make it a neat thing. Um, And you might even, I don't know, you could even, I just thought of this just now. I never really thought of it before. But... What if you even had um, staff members from other cafes, if you have multiple locations or something, or even if you have one location, I'm sure you all have staff members that come in on their days off or when they're not on shift and get drinks and say hi to people. What if you had one of them do the secret shopping for you even? I mean, that could be kind of a cool experience. Or if they're, if you have multiple locations, have people from different shops go to the different location and do secret shopping there. Uh, might be kind of a fun outside of the box way to look at it too. But make it a positive thing for your business. Make it positive how you present it to your staff. Not like they're getting busted or they're getting scolded on stuff or you're trying to catch them doing things wrong. You want to make it that you're trying to see all the things that they're doing right because they're adding on points. It's not like you start with 100 and then you're going to deduct for things that they're not doing. You're starting at zero and adding on for all the things they are doing correctly. So um, kind of have it be more of that positive twist to it. All right. So that's pretty much it. So hopefully by now you kind of understand the importance of the training program, how that's going to, you know, cause better consistency, result in repeat customer business that you'll have at your at your coffee shop. What things you should look for in a proper instructor, um, the skills that you want them to have, kind of the overall attributes that they should have in running this training program for you. Uh, a basic idea of espresso training information, even though we didn't, I mean, we just don't have time to cover all of it, but getting an idea of at least what you want to include um, or things that you should have information-wise in that written portion of the basic espresso training. Customer service, some ideas for some great ways of making eye contact with customers and greeting them, thanking them for their business, um, cash handling, all that good stuff. Skills testing, knowing kind of how to stay on top of things and test your staff. And then the last part with that secret shopping, the enforcement of the consistency and quality control there that you have. So um, that pretty much wraps us up. We have... Like five minutes for Q&A. And then, again, I want to remind you all, if you can fill out those comment cards or whatever, that would be super awesome. Um, And if there are any other questions also that don't get answered, come visit me at my booth. We'll be making some yummy drinks. And uh, thank you so much for coming. So. Awesome. Oh, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so for our Q and A time, I mean, we've got a microphone up there in the middle. Honestly, I don't even know if it's on, but we can even just, if people want to raise their hands and ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's so her question was when you're doing these skills testings and the hands-on stuff, how do you incorporate that into a busy coffee shop basically? Um, ideally, what I recommend doing is if you can try and schedule them, a couple options. Most of the time before you open is usually not that great of an idea unless, I mean, a barista might say, you know what, I don't care. I usually come in at 6. I can come in at 5.30. What's a half hour? Um, you can maybe do it before you open um, or you can also... So try to schedule it just during slower times of the day. Um, we all sort of know what those lulls are. And being flexible with it, don't have somebody come in and, you know, when they're not working just to do this little hands-on thing. Schedule it around what their regular work schedule is and when they're going to be there so that you've got a couple chances to be able to um, to do the testing. And it's really not going to be that extensive. It would probably be... You know, and maybe you can even piece it in. Maybe you um, you have them make a couple different drinks and stuff for you, and order it, and have them prepare those. And if a customer comes up, you know, then you just kind of pause and say, "Okay, hold on, go ahead and help them." Um, another thing is even if you've got someone at the end of the day before you're getting ready to close, um, that you can do that. Another great idea is if you have staff meetings. Um, if you've got a staff meeting that you require, you know, once a month or once a quarter or something like that, that can be a great time to be able to say, okay, before the staff meeting starts, we're going to kind of stagger all of you for the first hour. We're going to have snacks and, you know, refreshments and whatever for you guys to all just kind of hang out for an hour and I'm going to pull you all each up for 10 minutes and do your testing really fast and then we'll cover information. Um, so it just kind of depends. Um, and granted, you might say, here's the deal. Our shop is so busy, like, all the time. Then it's going to be best to try to schedule it either at the end of the day or around some kind of staff meeting or something. Yeah. Um, do So her question was suggestions on how to still encourage, how to encourage your staff while still kind of correcting them on things. Um, I mean, I guess a lot of it is just on the approach and delivery of, of things. Um, you know, <clears throat> kind of that building up and don't break down kind of a thing is on how you approach them, not make it so that they feel stupid or something. Maybe approach it like, for instance, if they're tamping really crooked or something, that's just an easy one to use. Um, or let's say their shot time is off or something like that, to approach it in a way that, that maybe you say, hey, I don't know, I know we covered a lot of information in our new training stuff, but um, I wanted to kind of point out and I wanted to see if we could figure out how to get your tamp just a little more level because you know we really want to make sure that the extraction is proper and it doesn't come down one side and not the other and um, so that the coffee tastes the best. So... Um, can we do just like a couple times? I want to show you and like I'll show you and demonstrate how to tamp properly. And then um, if you could do this a couple times, you know, it's just all in the tone of voice even and how you approach it. And basically following it always up with saying, we're just wanting to make our drinks better. We're just trying to make things better. We all want to be a better, you know, we want to beat the competition down the street as a team. So things that need to be corrected. Um, and that's going to be part of how this person that you have, even running your training program, how they communicate well. Um, and maybe it could also be something where, let's say somebody's working on bar with somebody, and like maybe I'm working with Jill, and I see that she's not measuring her syrups properly, um, or that she's not looking at her shot times. Um, 
You don't want to seem like it's a tattletale kind of thing, but to be able to say, hey, if you're noticing anything that's inconsistent, feel free to mention that to the trainer, and then they can address that with the person. Um, And that can be something that they can pay extra attention to even when they do the testing, Um, and then have them address that because... You don't want to have your own staff members having to worry about how to tell somebody like, hey, why are you doing that? Or, you know, their tone of voice and being it taken a wrong way. Um, So, yeah, I think tone and approach is just the most important thing to think about. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so her question was, when you're training a brand new barista, how much time do you need to kind of commit to training them before you actually get into doing the skills testing? Um, I mean, when I go through, for instance, like a workbook and then the hands-on portion of a training, um, it's great to lump together people when you can, first off. If you've got new hires, if you can do maybe three or four people at a time, any larger than that, I think you start to lose engagement with some people. Um, So try to lump new people together when you can or if you have to hire a few people and then usually just in general the training across the board I'll usually take maybe like four hours um, to go through a workbook and then actually have them like get up and do hands-on bar stuff adjust the grind things like that Um, and then I would maybe like let them take that information home with them um, and give them a couple days or something until they test I mean or you could even say hey if you want to come test tomorrow and you want to get on bar right away, go for it. Um, but maybe offer a couple options. But the initial training part, I mean, I think you can cover a lot of great information in like four to five hours, um, especially if you're going to include customer service and things like that too. Um, it's going to be the better part of a day. Um, so, And then I feel like you should have them, if you've got everything covered and they already understand and know why they need to do things a certain way, then when you actually get up and go on bar, it makes that part more efficient too. So, um, yeah, so I'd probably say like a five hour training or so. Yeah. Anyone else? Got a quick, we'll take one more. Yeah. Um, so she was asking if I have a sample of a written portion that I've used. Um, actually, the coffee roaster that um, that I started first training with, and, and I think a lot of roasters out there do offer training programs. So I don't have one personally that's my property that I have to share with people, but, um, but they're out there. They are definitely out there. Um, so you can talk to different roasters and stuff and see if they offer a training program. A lot of them will because they're going to want you to prepare their coffee the best way possible. So talk to some of them out there and, um, and see what information that you can get from them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I need to get out of the way so the next presenter can come and get set up. So thank you again so much. Any other questions, come stop by my booth and enjoy the weekend. You've been listening to a talk from the SCA Lectures podcast series. To hear more on topics relevant to the specialty coffee industry, visit www.scanews.coffee and subscribe to this lecture series. Thanks for listening. 